Hi everyone, this is That's Not Mindful. Meditations for people who hate meditating. I'm Jessica. And I'm Diana. And you just saw Harley. <laughs> she doesn't want to be, she didn't do her hair today. <laughs> uh, yeah, my dog will probably be here at some point, but she's exhausted from barking at my handyman for an hour. So, you know, it's a very tiring day. So I know that you really are excited to talk about something today. You wanted to talk about it for a while. Yeah, I'm so happy that we're finally getting to this. So the today, Little Mermaid. The Little Mermaid. <laughs> or the other title for this podcast is Diana versus Kira Knightley. Um, so, oh, right. <laughs> so drives me crazy. Let me start by saying that I love The Little Mermaid. I loved it when it came out. It came out when I was too old to watch Disney movies and I was babysitting my younger cousins and we watched it. I was like, oh my God, this is the I'm best too movie. Old to watch those movies though. Well, but there's a, there's a point in growing up where you decide like, you know, you're too cool to watch cartoon movies because you're older. And then you get to a certain point, like towards the end of high school, where you want to watch all that stuff again. Totally noted. <laughs> I remember this. And again, my daughter's my daughter's at the stage where she doesn't really want to watch the well, she doesn't want to watch the princess movies anymore, but she'll still watch the I understand. Anyway, off topic. So anyway, so when it came out and everybody loved The Little Mermaid, it's the sweetest movie. Um and now fast forward however many years. Um, I mean, I'm not old, but whatever. Um, and now, like, you know, the millennials are saying, Oh, the little mermaid is terrible, it's anti-feminist because Ariel should never have to give up her voice for a man. That's horrible. Um, and it just drives me crazy. And this is where we're going to bring the mindfulness in. So number one, um, I think that is very mindful to be realistic about what it takes to achieve your dream, right? So Ariel wants to be human. Right. You see that from the very beginning. She's exploring sunken shipwrecks. She's got a horde of human things like forks and candles and pipes and whatever. Well, the hoarding, that's all that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should do a podcast on like, you know, the psychological flaws of these Disney characters, whatever. So so Ariel wants to be human. This this happens even before she even sees the prince, before she decides she wants to be with the prince. She wants to be human. This is her dream. Um, and to achieve this goal, she has to sacrifice. Um, and you can say like, oh, well, you should never have to be silent for a man. And I really don't think that's the point of it. I think the point of it is that she wanted something so badly, she had to make a sacrifice for it. And I think that a lot of us are very unrealistic about what it takes to, to achieve our dreams, right? I, I really actually really love that take. <laughs> so that's so that's the first thing <clears throat> so look you know and you know the other argument is that like oh and she has to leave her home and give up everything she knew um what happens when we go to college right we leave our home we go out into the world and that's really what it's about like she has to just like our kids going off to college they have to learn how to be humans ariel ha literally has to go out into the world and learn to become a human that's what she wants um, you know, nobody's forcing her to do it. She's not doing it because she's so happy where she is and she's just following her man. Um, you know, so this is something that she wants and she ha you have to make sacrifices, right? You know, I was a lawyer for uh, a few, a uh, bunch of years. Um, you know, you, you sacrifice, like you, my friends were all going out clubbing. I was staying home, reading 
court cases and doing outlines and, you know, um, you know, you miss out on a lot, you know, um, my brother went out all the time, was not very studious. And then he complains that, you know, his job doesn't pay him a lot, you know, like, um, not to say that, you know, he didn't make sacrifices too, but we all make sacrifices to get what we want. Well, right. We make, we, make we make choices and sometimes the choices come with sacrifices. Right. And we should never judge another person's choices, even if it's not what you would do. Um, like my so dog is choosing right now to be annoying. You keep talking. I'm going to go get her. <laughs> well, you can, you can judge another person's uh, choices if they're being annoying because that's totally different. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is that in terms of being part of a couple, uh, either as you know dating or when you're married especially that comes with sacrifice right like you can't I, I think it's very unrealistic to go into a marriage thinking I'm gonna do everything exactly the way I want even if it doesn't gel with my spouses um, you know so I'll give you an example and this is I, I relate to Ariel very much in this way so I did not grow up that religious um, you know I grew up connected to my religion but I was I was never like super religious um, in my observance. My husband grew up a lot more observant than I did, but you know, I love him. I want to be married to him. And so I've made sacrifices. Uh, for example, I don't drive on Saturdays anymore. Um, I don't go to Saturday ball games. I don't, you know, I don't go out and meet people in the city on Saturdays. Like that's just something that uh, that's a choice that I made because I want to be with my husband and I want my husband to feel comfortable in his home. Right. Um, you know, so that that's a big sacrifice that I make. He has made sacrifices for me as well. Um, and I don't think, you know, are, are you really going to judge me for saying this is a choice that I made that's good for me and my family right now? You know, like, I, I think that it's very, uh, you really need to be mindful of what your goals are, what you need what what you need to make your household run like and to be happy in your marriage you know like it take, i think it's very unrealistic to say that you don't have to make any sacrifices to be with someone now i don't know what sacrifices the prince made i'm really not privy to their marriage but i i have to assume that he made some kind of sacrifice for example he married you know a fish <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> there's got to be sacrifices involved in that to some probably degree. gave up eating fish <laughs> i would hope that would be awkward uh, I think it's also so, important to say not to totally cut you off but um that's just one example of a relationship where you make sacrifices or an area where you would make sacrifices I think people make sacrifices with their work like you said mm -hmm. all the time yep. people make sacrifices with their friendships people make sacrifices for their kids, um, people make sacrifices for their friends. Did I say friends already? I think I said friends. No, I didn't say friends. Yeah, I think you did, um, but that's okay. People make sacrifices, you know, where they live. People, I mean, there's so yeah, many. Yeah, there's so many people who, like, you know, if you're married and you're, you know, your spouse gets a job in another state, sometimes you have to move to another state. And you do have to give up being close to your family and everything that you know. And I, I really don't think you can- Not even for marriage. Life. Not even for, for marriage. Sometimes your dream job um, ends up being somewhere else. I, I do think people realize that um, a lot, even after uh, COVID, that you know their jobs ended up moving to other places or whatever, and they wanted to stay with their job. They had to go. 
Um, yeah. Or sometimes um, you just can't find work where you are and you have to go move somewhere else where there is work. People have been doing that, you know, since the beginning of time. I think that people really make, really make sacrifices with friendships. I think, um, I know we talked about it briefly or very earlier into, um, you know, our recordings, but they, they made sacrifices when it came to, there's a friend or a person that just isn't fulfilling a specific um, role in your life anymore, or they're being, um, they're just, it, it's just not working anymore, or they're not being true to you, or, you know, they're asking things of you that you can't do that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, that is making the decision to uh, sacrifice a friendship. Um, it, it has its consequences. Your own to- mental health, right? But it, but it has its consequences as well. There's no question. I mean, it, it hurts the person. It could hurt other people that you hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many things and I, that I know people have been through with that as well. Um, but I also think, I also think that we don't realize it, but our kids are making sacrifices too. Um, we don't really well, think about that. Our kids have to make sacrifices. <laughs> you know, they pretty much have yeah, to. But, it's not e- I, but we mm-hmm. understand, we should understand growing up what it means to do that. I don't know that they do, right? So it's harder on them. Well, so that's the thing. I think that when you're growing up and you learn to make sacrifices, I think that that makes you a more well-rounded adult. And I think that it, I think that it makes you better able to understand that sacrifices need to be made in order to, you know, to either to keep your family together, to, to uh, achieve a goal. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I think that if you're the type of person who says like, I am going to live my life my way, and I'm not going to sacrifice a single thing. Uh, I think you're going to end up being very lonely. Um, usually you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> that usually is, Listen, we have our deal breakers, right? We always have our deal breakers and right. as long as we're yeah. healthy, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't hear what you said. I saying as long as they're healthy, that's okay. Like you can't just be like I'm shutting myself off from the world because you know. <laughs> I'm you know before before my husband and I got married, like we had a talk and we said like these are things that are very important to me. And like, look, you know, I had a couple and he had a couple, and everything else was you know some something you could bend on, you know. Um, but you can't say like. Um, you know, oh, I, I I don't want to keep a kosher house. Like I love to eat ham. Like I want to eat ham in the house. Like, I mean, really, what's the point of that wasn't so important to me to to make a sticking point of that, you know? Um and but like, we also have to realize, you know, in any kind of partnership, whether it be friendship or work or whatever, you know, our va- values, values. I, I remember reading that value should actually be a word. I mean, sorry, it's a word, it should be a verb because um values change. Um, and you can also be a verb, like I value this or, <laughs> well, it should be a verb because they change. Um, you know, obviously it's not, but it, it should be because values can change and should change. And it, you know, you have to work with the person that you are with and you know that what their deal breakers are and what their deal breakers aren't. Um, but also they have to understand that you might change some things given what's going on in your life right? Um, whatever that is. So right. it's important to be, it's mindful. not a, my point is it's not a, it's not a stable thing. Like it, it, cha- it could change over time. 
Well, right, right. It, it, exactly. And that's why, you know, you, you do have to keep that. That's why marriages work, right? You have to keep evaluating what you're, what's important, what's most important to you. Um, and you have to, uh, I totally lost my train of thought. You have to keep, <laughs> you have to keep evaluating as time goes on. Like, look, this used to be really important to me. Is it still really important to me? For sure. Um, and I think that it's important to be mindful of, um, you know, uh, being mindful that not everything is super important and not everything needs to be a deal breaker. Right. So like um, I heard this saying once that like, you want to be like a blade of brass so that when the wind blows, you move with the wind instead of the, instead. And you don't want to be so solidly rooted like a tree so if a strong enough wind comes it just knocks you over right so you want you want to be able to bend with the breeze or go right. with the flow as they say you know look and if something is really important to you you speak up right but you, you speak know, up but there's always there's always a, sometimes a way to negotiate right but but you it's can't an important relationship and but you can't make everything non-negotiable no right? i agree <laughs> can't be like right. I'm not doing this and you have to live with it right exactly because like when I when we watch movies like that and the person's spouse is like that like oh no you have to respect me but you know you can't do this and you I get I don't respect what you want to do but you have to respect what I want to do that's the spouse who always gets left <laughs> yeah usually it's or funny it's like Although I don't like it in movies when they do that when they show how the spouse is like so terrible so like she deserves being cheated on like I hate that like like that post I was texting you about last night right oh uh, with the parenting yeah there was a parent who was saying they're they were upset because their fifth grader who goes to a very prominent um elementary school they have a lot of homework um, which generally in public school, particularly in those kinds of areas, they have a lot of homework. Some of it's busy work. It doesn't really matter. You have to, still have to do it, right? So, and, and that's sort of the price that you pay for going to that school district. Right, but the thing of it was, it wasn't so much the homework, is that the homework was interfering with all the after school activities. That's what I was getting at. And it was like- year old had to do. It's like, you know what? And again, I would never judge another parent like you prioritize what you need to prioritize but just know that like this you know the school is prioritizing the work whereas you may not prioritize the work but it's not that so much as like her whole thing was she was worried about high school right and where and which is like hello like you haven't even gone through middle school yet you know it's like way more homework in high school than there is not only that like you've such a journey to go through like <laughs> and your <laughs> interests are going to change like six billion times but um which is a healthy good thing but you know they were like you know we're just not interested she's like she was like I'm not interested in getting rid of any of our after school activities and that was kind of a red flag to me only because you really, it doesn't matter what school you go to. If this, if the homework is, you know, there, there's less homework, there's going to be studying, there's going to be projects, there's going to be, there's always going to be stuff. And like you said, it's not, it's just, it's just a silly thing to say, because how can you even possibly say none of these are non-negotiable they it's, have to be negotiable it's unrealistic right it's judgmental it's unrealistic and it's not at all mindful I mean my kids would love no, nothing more my son would love nothing more to come home and like play Fortnite all night you know for his like there's like all these like 
tournaments and all this stuff but like no you have to go do your uh, on top of homework he's got his he you know his um is for mitzvah prep with that he has to get done before a very specific time. Unfortunately. Right. And that's, and that's another thing, right? You have to sacrifice for that. Like maybe you can't do as many after school activities. Well, he can. And he knows that we told him that we were like, it's just a snippet in time. You know, you're going to get this time back to do whatever you want. But right now you need to, I said to him, you can't do a sport in the winter that requires you to do games because you have to be, um, you have to be, you know, spending time on this, and, you know, he understood it and it was fine. There actually really wasn't a sport he wanted to take anyway, but, um, there is a sport coming up. He wants to do baseball. And I said to him, so excited for you to do baseball, but you also have to understand if you're not at least at the point where you're just practicing for your stuff, then you're going to have to come home. Right. You can't go to the games. You're going to have to go to your tutor because we have to get this done before you go to camp. Yeah. My daughter, um, she was studying for hers and she wasn't able to do the school play that fall. And oh my God, it was a year ago. I still haven't heard the end of it. <laughs> but that's a <laughs> She's that's done like two plays since then, but like, no, like I've not heard. I still didn't get to do Matilda. Like, and he's still going to have to sacrifice a game or two so he could go and do barbiska lessons. Like, yeah, it's not, so we do yeah. these things. We make sacrifices. And I think that, and I look, I think it's not that Ariel had to give up everything just to be with the man. I think that she, I think the man is, is incidental. I think that she gave up so much because this is what she wanted. Right. She's, I mean, she sings that part of your world song, like before she even sees the prince, like this is what she wants. And so she's like, this is what I want The see, which is going to give it to me. She wants my voice. Fine. I can be a human without my voice. And, you know, even though it is a big part of her. Right. And like, sometimes we take, and it's also a lesson, like never underestimate um, finding a lesson in anything that you have to sacrifice or a Disney movie because there's always <laughs> there's always a message I, I remember this story we were in um we didn't have kids yet oh we did but or more my youngest my oldest was a very very little baby and we went to a party and the Upper East Side with Upper East Siders I'm not judging any Upper East Siders but there was a whole discussion from one gentleman about how they're not introducing their then three and four-year-olds to princesses because they don't want them to get a false sense of relationship or life or life. And I, I remember sitting there thinking, like, did you discuss that with the preschool yet? Because once they go to preschool, like, all the kids are going to show up and, like, you yeah, know. Yeah, there's a movement for that, too, right? Like, the little girls, like, shouldn't learn, shouldn't see, have pink, and they shouldn't learn about the princesses. You know what? Little girls love princesses. It's not, like, gender stereotyping. Like, little girls love it. And you know what? A lot of little boys love it, too. I'm <laughs> just saying. You know, although I will say it was so funny, but I was just kind of like, you know, okay, so basically you're going to have to get the nursery school, their friends, their friends, grandparents, and anybody who wants to buy them the princess stuff. Yeah. Or like, you know, don't walk them through a toy store. Like, oh, what is this? They're going to be exposed to, and there's a reason for it because actually like the message is not necessarily happily ever after. (laughs) Oh my God. Some of these stories, like where they came from, you know, are just horrible, but um oh yeah we could talk about that another time yeah, but I will, say, I will say this though because I remember like so Snow White was there were, there's obviously other lessons in these um movies 
So Snow White for me is, you know, I think this is legitimately anti-feminist, but it's not even the anti-feminism of it. It's that, so first of all, Snow White like needs the dwarves to shelter her and protect her. And all she can offer them is that she'll cook and clean for them. Right. That's all she has. Can you make them laugh? You can sing like Snow White could sing. She could talk to birds. She could talk to animals like Snow White has other talents. But no, I couldn't clean for you. That's it. But not only that, so that that's think about when it came out too, right? I so, mean, you know. <laughs> well, so that I mean, but that's saying something, right? Because like Snow White clearly has other talents. So it's that is, but it's not that. It's that Snow White, especially if you read the original Grimm's brother, uh, Brothers Grimm version of it. Snow White is such a dumb twit. She <laughs> she makes the same feel about her. Makes the same mistake three times. Exactly the same. She opens the door for a stranger. The stranger kills That's her. It. That is going to be the title of this. Um, <laughs> Snow White's a dumb twit. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, she. she you know, three times, stranger knocks on the door, stranger gives her some object. Ooh, that's pretty and shiny. Kills her. Dwarves manage to save her. And then she just keeps opening the door for strangers until the queen makes her eat the poison apple. Like, do you learn nothing? And despite learning nothing, I mean, she should win a Darwin Award. I mean, that girl is stupid. <laughs> um, she should win a Darwin Award for that. She should like, and then what happens? What happens? She's dead. She gets a beautiful glass coffin. Necrophiliac prince comes and kisses her. And now she's fine again. Lives another day to open the door to more strangers. I mean, honestly, like, ugh. well, that, that's actually kind of the problem. Like they don't necessarily learn their lesson. <laughs> you know? Snow White, though. Like all the other princesses, I think, deserve their endings. Like Snow White does not deserve her ending, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's got to be one or two that don't. Can't think of any though, can you? <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> anyway, I think that, uh, I think Ariel is very... definitely um, a great one. And when you're mindful of that sacrifice, I think you realize, look, this is how much I gave up to do this, but it was worth it because I got this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Like, you, yeah, and that's what a sacrifice is for. Like, you, look, sacrifices are never fun. Like all things being equal, you wouldn't make that sacrifice, but you do it to get something greater. And I just want to add, um, and I'm sure that Kira Knightley doesn't know this, um, because in the, <laughs> because if she did, she would never have said what she said. Um, the original Hans Christian Andersen, Little Mermaid, um, is really, it's a cautionary tale. So the, she doesn't have a name, like Disney named her Ariel, like in the book, she's just the Little Mermaid. She loves the prince, the prince, and she loves the prince. She becomes human for the prince. First of all, it is painful for her. Every step she takes on human legs is like knives. Mm -hmm. like she, it's super painful for her. Um, and the prince is just leading but her. She had to like dance for him, right? Yeah, well, she loves to she loves to dance. Like he doesn't make her dance, but she I always felt like there was something there with like the the story of Poro, you know, with Vashti. She had to dance in front of the king naked, and she was like, no. I didn't make that connection because the, the Little Mermaid loves to dance. Like she's happy to dance. It just hurts right. her. Well, you know, I guess sacrifice. She does it. It's like why we wear heels, right? It hurts like hell, but I look so pretty. I'm so graceful. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's the same with the dancing, right? So 
Um, so, you know, but the prince, the prince just leads her along. Oh, I love you so much. I wish you were the one I was going to marry. I just have to marry this other lady, but I really love you. Um, and then like her sisters um, get her a way out and they say, you know, um, if you, you know, they give her a magic knife and you have to stab the prince with this and then you can get your fin back and come back into the sea. But she doesn't because her goal in that story uh, it's not so much about being human, although she loves being human. It's that she achieves a soul um, because because of her love for the prince and because she won't kill him. She earns a soul and she ascends to heaven instead of just turning into sea foam like all the other good mermaids. So um, I, listened to this, I listened to this story for the very first time. Um, I listened to a podcast to fall asleep called The Sleepy Bookshelf, which is my one of my favorite. It's just my favorite. It's so soothing. Um, but anyway, I listened to this version, obviously, of The Little Mermaid, and in the beginning, um, the uh, narrator just talks a lot about, this is obviously not the same version as The Little Mermaid classic um, that we know and love from Disney, but we should open up our imagination to- we Never kill someone. <laughs> of course. But it's just saying we should open up our imagination to new possibilities. And she says that before all these Disneyfied um stories, um, mm -hmm. which I think is, you know, a very mindful thing to open up your mind to new possibilities or right. other possibilities. It's actually a great way, a great form of meditation is just to open up your mind and just receive without judgment, right? Right. Um, I mean, I was so excited to hear those versions. Um, but I, I love how she prefaces it by just open up your mind to other um, possibilities. So that's a definitely another mindful way to look at it as well. Well, so, the book, yeah. Well, the book is never the same as the movie, right? The book is usually no. no. Um, I think my favorite Disney movie is is Lady and the Tramp, though. Oh, I love Lady and the Tramp. That is my favorite. <laughs> you ever do the spaghetti thing with your husband or anybody? No. <laughs> you know my husband. <laughs> yeah, I don't think mine would do that with me either, even when we were dating. I mean, maybe he would take it off of my plate, but... <laughs> I think my daughter wanted to do it once when she was little and she was eating spaghetti. And there's a, there's a picture of my mom and my... In I, I think one of my kids doing it actually. Oh, cute. yeah. So, but you just have to make sure you bite it off before you actually like get too close. Oh, well, I'm not going to do it. So it's fine. <laughs> Did you imagine? Especially, mm -hmm. especially with a kid, because you don't want to get too close to a kid's mouth. Ugh. Yeah. They're yeah. so dirty. They are so dirty. <laughs> and, and they lick everything. <laughs> I think. <laughs> anyway um so yeah uh, open up your mind this week that's your homework to um new possibilities um it was a closing one door and open a window or something like that yeah I never really understood that expression because like you know doors are great but you can't really go through a window like windows are not so like, yeah that's, that's a good point it's like if I lock my door and you can't get in, but I open the window and wave to you, like, I, what is that doing for you, really? Open up to new possibilities. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Many fish in the sea didn't seem to apply. So. Many fish in the sea totally applies. I guess it does because of the fish. <laughs> of course, now I'm going to think the rest of the day. I wonder if when they got married at the end, if they served fish at the wedding. 
So, well, so Sebastian real get really gives it to the chef who cooks the fish. So I would imagine they wouldn't have fish. <laughs> but I think as a bride, I think you mix that. <laughs> Although at my wedding, um, I remember when I got married, I don't know if it still is, but sea bass was kind of endangered or there was some issue with sea bass. I guess it maybe it had just come off the endangered list and they offered us sea bass. And so my husband's first reaction was, is it ill-tempered like in Dr. Evil? <laughs> Um, and then the second reaction was like, uh, yeah, we're going to, we could have sea bass. Yeah, we want sea bass. Whenever we would get, we'd go on our family vacations, my brother would take the fish and make it talk to me, you know? <laughs> so. Like that, uh, oh, like that, that, that toy. Oh my gosh. Uh, the Billy. That wasn't, even, that wasn't even a thing then, but he would just like make the dead fish talk to me. You see, <laughs> he, <laughs> no, he was so close. He could have had a million dollar idea there. But, uh, I, I, I do not like fish. So <laughs> well, anyway, everybody have a wonderful day. Namaste. Namaste. Open minds. Open minds to new possibilities. <laughs> Namaste. Thank you.